Looking to organise an event or break into events? Or perhaps you're already a seasoned organiser? No matter where your experience sits, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Events Unpacked podcast. Learn how to go from good to great, how to embrace industry challenges and activate success in your organisation or career. Now welcome your host, Francesca Peskovs. Hello listeners, today's guest is someone who is actually giving back to the world through the power of events. It's Cassandra Pathero, Gala Partnerships and Marketing Manager at Tour de Cure. Have you ever considered using your event skills to work for a charity or a not-for-profit? Or maybe you just run an event and want to hear some tips and insights on how to secure partnerships and sponsors. Over the last few years, Cass has been at the helm of this exciting live event program that produces not only the famous Tour de Cure National Bike Riding Program, spearheaded by Channel 7's Mark Beretta, but the glamorous large-scale events for which tickets sell out in a matter of days. This, by the way, is very rare. Both of these programs have raised a staggering $70 million and funded over 550 cancer projects. What I love about this organisation is the passion of the team, but also how clever they are at delivering programs that engage a really wide audience. Charity events can support fundraising for a cause. However, the ones that do it effectively are a well-oiled machine. We're going to unpack how Cass and her team continue to reach Tour de Cure's goals in this very competitive market. Welcome, Cassandra Prothero, to Events Unpacked. So great to have you on the show. Thanks, Francesca. I'm very excited. Yeah, well, as we know each other well, and that will come out a bit more later, I am going to ask if it's okay that I call you Cass because I will revert to that anyway. Of course. <laughs> great. So I'm super excited to hear more about the inspiring world of Tour de Cure and how you mm-hmm. use events to successfully raise so much money for cancer. Yep. Let's dive in now and get started as we have a lot to chat about. Cool. So for those that don't know, explain to the listeners what Tour de Cure is, the cause, and what it stands for. Sure. So um, as the name sort of suggests, Tour de Cure started as a um, like predominantly a bike charity. So um, events, we did bicycle tours, bicycle events, um, people riding to um, kind of find a cure to cancer. So it really started, I think, 13 years ago now, three very keen um, people, just they were friends, they were sitting around, I think they were pretty down and affected by um, their family and friends who have had cancer and wanted to do something. So they um, they started their own their first sort of cycling tour. They raised a couple hundred thousand from that first tour, and I think um, just from there, they I think they realised they had something there. There's quite a little bit of a boys club, or even not even boys only now, but definitely like a little bit of a club for those that wake up very early and go cycling. So um, I think they discovered they had a bit of a network going. They were you know riding with bank you know C level. Um, you know, bank people and different other CEOs of really great businesses. Like, let's turn this into something a bit bigger. So, kind of like golfing, isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> it is. It really is. And there are two things that I can't do. So, I feel a bit left out. 
But from there, I think, yeah, they realized they were kind of stemmy onto something. They formalized it. They invited um, my uncle, actually, Bruno Morel, who is um, now the chairman of the Tuticure board, to um, sort of help them. They got a board. They formalized it. They have now just gone strength to strength. And, you know, in the last 13 years, we've raised $60 million now. <laughs> and, wow. you know, just beyond, I'm sure, what they ever imagined it would would do. And I guess what we do, that's a cause, I guess you asked. It's not really one cause, which I also think is pretty special about Tour de Cure. It's um, a range of cancer projects we we, um, we raise money for. So it can be literally from, um, you know, just a research project for breast cancer or it could be, um, you know, buying wigs for um, some rural communities that cancer patients can't afford to do to buy wigs. We, you know, mattresses to some hospitals in rural communities, equipment or fridges for medicine for children's cancer, um, you know, wards. It's it's a bunch of different things. There's, we're not sort of um, limited in that way. And I think that's great because I don't know about you, but I know people um, close to me that have different cancers and, and it's nice to be able to sort of work towards one central, let's just get rid of cancer and this is the way we do it. Yeah, so that's so, really flexible, right? And it lets you be quite inclusive to, you know, yeah. many different groups and, you know, whether it's something that's not so well known or one of the major cancers, you know, there's a lot of um, choice for you guys. Exactly. And I think it's really important to know, like the federal government, I mean, whilst they are very generous, I think they give $175 million or something in cancer research every year. That only represents, I think, 13% of what the researchers ask for. So whilst that's great, it's still like you're missing 85% um, of, you know, the, the other cancer researchers. So I think that's where Tour de Cure and other charities come in and that's where what we need to do. So um, another thing that I think is quite good is that we've actually got like a grants process, um, a committee for the grants process. So we have hundreds and hundreds of applications every year come to us from all different, um, you know, cancer researchers, cancer other cancer foundations, people that I'm not going to pretend to know the criteria, um, but there's very skilled, you know, doctors and um, other medical professionals that sit on this board and they just basically go through all the different um, cancer grants, uh, the research grants that come in and choose the, the best for us. We want to fund world-class cancers that have the biggest impact um, because why bother giving us your money if you don't think it's going to, you know, go towards something. Um, and we've, we've done 502, I believe since we started. So we've funded 502 cancer projects and 29 of those have actually led to a breakthrough. Um, I know. So Fantastic. I feel like it's real. Like we're doing, like, it's, it's not just, it's going out there and it's not happening. And, you know, 13 years we've had like 29 breakthroughs. I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, well, that's great. And so, you know, like I'll I'll put it out there early because then people know, but, you know, obviously Event Emporium, the company that I'm part of work with you and, you know, we've been your event partner for a few years now and being at the events and hearing the success stories, it's, you know, quite incredible. And I think it's what inspired us to um, throw our hat in the ring and be involved. So, you know, it yeah, is one well. of the more successful charities which authentically does give the funds to the right people. You know, the percentage of funds that actually gets to where it has to get is way yeah. higher than a lot of other charities. And I'm not putting down other charities, but no, I no, do no, yeah. believe that you guys are in it 
for the right reasons and everyone else who's involved. And we're going to talk about that in a minute too. So um, very yeah, exciting. Well, we couldn't do it without you for sure. Mm. But um, on that note, yeah, we really try and put um, the flow through, I guess it's what it's called, which is when you take out all of the costs, what actually goes to those grants. And we always try and keep that above 70, 75% for our events um, yeah, that's at minimum. amazing percentage. Yeah. So you. let's get on to some of the strategy and logistics and how we do, how, you know, you produce your events and the different kinds of things that Tour de Cure do that in the space. And this, you know, today's interview is about obviously Unpacked is about people wanting to break into events, but also learning more about how they can improve their events. And charity events are a, a big part of the event community. So tell us a little bit about your current role and what the size of your team is, the scope of work, yeah. et cetera? Yeah, sure. So I guess, um, not to go on about it, but to give you a bit of background and how we got from bikes to Gala um, in, the, in this organization was I think about 10 years ago, my mum actually joined the board. My uncle, who I said before was the chairman, he invited her along because she's a lawyer and they needed her <laughs> to support them and help them with their legal stuff. Um, and she doesn't ride a bike and she never taught me how to ride a bike. So neither of us know how to ride a bike. So it was quite <laughs> funny to be um, working for a bike charity when um, we don't even ride a bike. And I think she sat there and I think she too also realized the potential. You have such a great network. You have these great, um, you know, contacts and sponsors and everything for these tours. But, you know, what about for the people that don't ride a bike, who don't want to don like her all day and train, you know, in the mornings at four o'clock in the morning. So she was like, let's just have a party. <laughs> and I think um, I, um, that's, I had experience being on a board for another charity event, um, another gala event um, committee. And she just brought me along and we basically started a committee together um, of about, I don't know, this was 2000 and well, we're in the seventh year. So about 2014. And, um, yeah, basically from there, we were, everyone was volunteer um, and we just put on the first snowball. I think it raised about 500000 And since then, yeah, we raised, I think, 1.7 last year. So that's, that's gone. Yeah, it's gone great. But I guess how I got to it, somewhere else I went on maternity leave. And then in when my baby was about three months old, our event manager had sort of, you know, for personal reasons, pulled out just before our first spring lunch. So that was our second, that was going to be our second gala event. Um, but the first one of it. And so with a newborn <laughs> and being on maternity leave and having event experience, I sort of jumped in and, um, and helped out and I just loved it. It was just like, it was hell. Like it was hard as anything. Thing, but it was like, like I was, I knew why I was doing it and it was sort of just fun to just like own something. And yeah, from there we just, it's just grown and grown. The gala events, like I said, they're just bigger and better every year. Um, so now there's two of us in the team. So, um, Terry power, who, you know, yes, um, very well. And <laughs> um, actually, she wouldn't be with us if it wasn't for you. But um, she and I basically now just run both of the events with um, the help of a really big <laughs> committee um, that meets quite regularly. So another volunteer committee that just supports us and helps us do our jobs. But um, yeah, do you want me to talk about the committee yeah, a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about the committees because, you know, in my experience of working with, um, you know, great charities over my career, you know, the committee for me is, you know, one of the most important things 
for success, you know, in any fundraising activity? Yes. Well, I think for us, it's the same. I think with, um, with a charity event, it's really different than working on any other event because you are trying to raise the most money possible, um, from that event and put that money towards something else. So, I mean, I, I came from another job in events that had really big budgets and you could kind of just do anything you wanted and you could just pay for that if it didn't work and do this or whatever. So the committee really helped because we really rely on people to donate things and people give things for free of charge because of the, um, you know, cause it's for cancer and the committee really allow us to do that because everyone sort of has their own skill set in the committee. Some are really great at bringing people and getting people to buy tickets. Some are really, really good at, you know, sourcing, um, decorations for the tables at a low cost. Um, some have friends in wine and we need a wine sponsor and, and that sort of thing. There's everyone comes with their own little, um, you know, positive, I guess. And a tribe as um, well. They all bring their little tribe of people and connections. Exactly. And then exactly. And it just goes off like that. Like it just branches out like wildfire when you, you know, they all, everyone just brings their own people and it, and people just fall in love with them, the, the event and the cause as well. So, the committee, we would not be able to do without. Um, we meet regularly, I think almost, um, it's like monthly and then it gets to about fortnightly closer to the events, but we basically just tell them our issues or where we're up to and ask them if they know anyone in this space or if they, if we need help with guests, uh, with ticket sales, can anyone sell more tickets or, um, that kind of thing. And it's amazing. Obviously we would not be able to do what we do without them. Um, and your formula yeah, is really then, good. You, you've got great, sorry to cut you off there, but your formula is really great. And the ticket sales are phenomenal. You know, like you really sell tickets quite quickly, a lot quicker than other charities I've seen. It really isn't a stretch to ensure the numbers of people. So that's something that's, you know, related to the committee, uh, related to the style of event and everything. We say, yeah, you're, you're right. We sell out, um, before we even go to public just through our community and like basically through the committee telling their friends to buy tickets. So we're very lucky in that asset. Cause in my, in my past experience at other charities, that was one of the hardest things to do is to try and sell tickets. But yeah, that's really good. And we've got a great committee that help us with that. But I mean, like with everything, like even just recently we had a decoration meeting and we had two or three people offer to do this for free and this for free. And, oh, they know someone in this, in this industry that can print that for free. So it's, it is great. It is so good. We couldn't, like I said, do it without them, but we do have, um, sort of, that's our big committee and there's about 20 people in there, I think at the moment. And they do kind of get a little bit long meetings and not a lot gets sort of decided. Sometimes I find the best work is post those committee meetings. They might tell me things like, you know, directly. Um, so we also have a bit of a steering committee as well, which we just, um, have about, you know, three or four people that are sort of like more leading the different parts of the event and we meet probably more regularly. Yeah, because, you know, people people after the committee meetings also think of other things and they want to get in touch with you. So totally. um, Yeah. And then afterwards you can analyze, you know, what, you know, sometimes things are maybe offered forward, but don't come off. So then you've still got a whole in, you know, your, um, you know, what your offering is going to be. So, yeah. you know, it's great to have that steering committee to kind of pull it together. So another thing I wanted to talk about that I've noticed is one of the key things to your success is your partners, your partners yeah. that are involved. And obviously sure. um, the bike ride, you know, opens up 
so many great partners for you guys, but one that's in particular is um, your relationship with Channel 7 through Mark Beretta. So um, did you want to mention a little bit about that and any other partnerships that you think are quite vital (laughs) and what people could kind of learn from, I guess, bringing on the right people to be part of the, the family, so to speak? Yes. Well, one of the, the biggest things, I think, whenever I mention I work for Tour de Cure, everyone's like, oh, I'm on Channel 7. So I think without doubt, they are one of the best partners we've ever had on board. Um, Mark Breda joined the board, um, I think, around the same time as Dom, maybe 10, nine years ago, and has, yeah, just done amazing things for it. We um, we have the signature tour. So that's probably our largest bike ride. It's about 10 days, um, somewhere on the east coast of Sydney, of um, Australia, basically the route changes every um, every year. Um, but it's a big one. It's a really big ride. It's a hard slog. And that's why we raise so much money because people are, you know, giving money to their friends and family who are doing it. Um, and Mark actually comes with us on that tour and he um, goes direct to Channel 7 just for his, because he's a, he's a, one of the ho- the four hosts of Sunrise. So when he does his sports segment, um, they air it from the tour and he allows us to then um, talk about our other partners, talk about the tour in general, talk about the cancer and some of the projects that we're funding. So, I mean, without that, I mean, it's incredible. And they're the best um, breakfast show um, on air at the moment. So I'm so glad that we're partnered with them. But, you know, in addition to them, we have some other amazing ones. Like we're, we've got two banks, which is just almost unheard of, like um, uh, Westpac and Commonwealth Bank, who both bring in so much money. They also do their own tours with us. Um, so Can for Cancer and a Westpac tour where we raise millions every year from those two. We have Lexus, Optus. Vittoria Coffee, like all of these that are sort of kind of tour to cure wide. So both the tour and the gala events, we just obviously couldn't live without them. But I think, yeah, what's really, you know, important for for all of these sort of events is we need to keep um, our costs, like I said, as low as possible. And if we didn't have partners that were willing to either provide us services, so Lexus give cars to follow the cyclists on and, um, you know, Optus give phones and Vittorio Coffee fuel our um, cyclists with coffee every morning. If we didn't have that, that would be stuff that we'd have to pay for and things that would be taken out of that money that you raised. Exactly, yeah. So that's, I mean, and, and, you know, obviously the committee yourselves and the people that are running it, you know, have spent these years gathering these people on board and, you know, it's like once you get one good person, it does help you get another one. But, um, you know, you you can't just run, raise money for a charity without partners involved. So it's interesting. Yeah. And I always say like, once you kind of come into the tour de cure, like sponsor bubble, (laughs) no one really leaves. Like no one, we've never had a snowball sponsor leave us since start. We've just been gaining new ones. (laughs) And on, onto that actually for the gala events, like we have an amazing events um, management team that we wouldn't be able to do the events, um, you know, without because they run the show for us and that's Event Emporium. Oh, thank you. Um, Free plug. But it is something that we would have to pay a lot of money. It would be a big, it would probably be our biggest cost if we were paying for it. And then that takes away from the point of doing it. Um, We've also um, always had ABC Bullion as our naming rights sponsor um, and they just give us, you know, 
cash. Like they give us cash, they give us a jury item to raffle off. Coot Connects, they do a PR for free. Like they've got, we've got all these fantastic partners that just provide a service that we don't need to then pay for so that that money goes to the cause. Great. And so look, um, one of the things that we, um, I'm going to jump around a little bit here with different topics, but um, how difficult is it in this climate to currently raise funds? You know, I mean, I I know a few of the things you guys are doing and they're very exciting actually. Um, Obviously meeting, you know, this podcast isn't about COVID and how we've all pivoted, but I think with you guys, you would feel terrible coming to the end of the year and you hadn't raised money. So how have you pivoted and producing things slightly different, you know, the bike ride included to, you know, continue the efforts? Yeah, well, I mean, I I don't know anyone that hasn't been affected by um, COVID at the moment. Um, You know, even if it's not them, it's their family or a family member of theirs. But I think it's pretty difficult. It's pretty difficult to raise money at a gala event when you can't have a gala event. But we're working, you know, on different solutions. I know with the bicycle rides, um, they're working on some pretty cool stuff. I think they're making a sort of a decision pretty soon, but um, they're looking at, you know, doing virtual tours at the moment, which is so great because I don't know if you noticed, but during that whole isolation period, you know, March to May, people were just out and about and on their bikes. And I think bicycle sales went up like a huge amount. And I actually am trying to buy one for my brother in London at the moment and you can't even get a bike in London. Um, people bikes, are bikes and puppies. Fit. Spikes and puppies. Yes. Yeah, and wine in my, in my household. Yeah, wine but, in my um, house. <laughs> but for sure, people are still staying fit and it's really good to see um, because that's obviously one of those messages we want to get out there that you should be fit. Like, you know, if you're fit, be, be fit, be healthy, be happy, and it, you'll make the right decisions. You can prevent cancer. Um, one in three cancers are preventable if you can get out there. So what we're trying to do with our virtual tours is really still promote, you know, you can train still, even Melbourne, and with lockdown stage four lockdowns, they can still ride their bike and train and then just join the, um, the virtual tour, whether it's from your stationary bike or whether it's, um, you're out and about and doing your own tour, your own kind of, you're logging on and you're doing it with three or four people that are, live close to you. I think that's awesome because it's going to keep up the the momentum. Um, it's going to still raise money. Um, and it's going to cost because we're not putting people up in hotels everywhere and having to run the logistics. Um, yeah. You may even make some it. more money because there's less infrastructure and cost to do. Um, yeah. you know, the great thing is, I guess, you know, I have a and watch and I love it. So, um, but you know, all of those devices now track everything you're doing. So it's really easy. And are you sort of like getting people to, you know, track things physically and using technology to do it. And then they, you know, kind of share that data. Um, I also know that you're all maybe planning some cool virtual events where people can actually get together and do um, rides in a different way and stay tuned for that. Hey, but, um, yeah. but you know, there's, so there's a quite a few different ways and then they, are they getting, you know, people to sponsor them, I guess, to yeah, well, be part I think- of that. The signature tour got postponed this year, so it was already in in the works for for March or um, March and April this year, and it got postponed. So people had already raised the money because we cancelled it pretty late in the game, and it was gonna it's gonna 
it was going to be rescheduled for I think October. So I don't know if it's fully been cancelled yet. I think there's actually a board meeting happening today or tomorrow about that. But the virtual part will be, I guess, an answer to that. And it may even be an it may even be a hybrid of them both. So there could be a bit of a tour happening where where maybe a few people are going on that, but then the majority that can't travel or whatever stay put um, and just do it virtually. But yeah, I don't think that's hundred percent being decided yet. But we did do this thing called Move in May, in May, um, where we said just move your body however you want. Log on to Strava, I think they used. Um, I didn't do it and I'm a bit ashamed of that. I was stuck inside with two toddlers. But um, you could just log in and, you know, either go for a walk or whatever and you just kind of input your... um, your movement, your kilometers from Strava and they basically had little Peloton groups. So just like a, a, a cycling tour, little groups of people that were winning and they, and sponsors owned those groups. And, um, and I think that was really fun. It was really exciting. It was really quick. It kind of happened straight off the bat from ISO. Um, so it wasn't, um, like anything huge, but it was great to engage people that maybe may have been feeling a little bit depressed and not sure what was happening. Cause it was really that thick of the isolation earlier in the year. Yeah, sure. This is Events Unpacked, your number one guide to organising a successful event. So moving back, I guess, um, to the physical side of live events, which is the gala events and the lunch, um, which are the ones that, you know, so the spring lunch obviously is, you know, uh, 400 odd people come to that one and yes 600 we had last year how many 680 I think last year I should know this 680 (laughs) and then the um the galas are about a thousand people right the snowball yeah it's about nine yeah 950 yeah so so um a little bit talking about, you know, away from ISO and away from COVID because, um, you know, this shall pass and we will be back to normal charity events soon, hopefully, because we do know they're still possibly (laughs) happening, but in a different way. But, um, and this podcast is, you know, not about that necessarily. It's about just talking about, you know, the positive side of events, what works and what doesn't. So when you look at attending a ball or a lunch like that, obviously people come along to raise money for cancer and, mm-hmm. and the charity, but they also, you know, th- you'd be amiss to think that they didn't come along to experience a really great event as sure. well. Um, yeah. Now that's the creative side of the event, the entertainment, you know, a little bit around how it looks with the location and the kind of the atmosphere that you would create, you know, to make it a really entertaining event and engaging as well. You know, how do you keep the creative side of the event to be effective when you're trying to keep the spend down and ensure maximum funds reach the charity? I think you agree with me here. We've had some, um, you know, discussions about this as well. It is just the most difficult thing. It's probably the most difficult thing with a charity event and it to, to keep it looking beautiful and to keep the creative fun things whilst, um, yeah, keeping spend down is hard, very hard. I guess when you look at the budget of the back end, like me, and you want to, like I said, you want that money to go to the cause. You do have to be really realistic about it, but it is about finding a balance, I think. Um, so 
you know, maybe for example, if you were to come to me with this great idea, I might then give that great idea to our committee and say, Hey, this is the great idea. Let's say she wants to put orchids in this great big, you know, vase with lemons coming out of it or something, whatever. I mean, that sounds disgusting, but something like that. <laughs> we won't do and that at the next event, <laughs> just quietly. <laughs> Please, I promise. Um, but then we send that to our committee members and say, Hey guys, can anyone help sourcing these vases or can anyone help with flowers or can anyone help with lemons? Like we kind of then go out to them as a first point, I guess, see if they know any contacts, see if they have any ideas. I guess that's the beauty of that committee. And we've been able to actually do a lot of that stuff really well because they've come back to us with contacts and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's hard. It is really hard. And you have to sacrifice some things because you know it's a charity event, but we're also selling tickets at a very premium price. So you need to make sure it looks beautiful. Yeah, because you guys have got some had some great entertainment, you know, before and it's like it's never felt like not a premium event, you know, like, yeah, the, well, thank you. Yeah. But I guess it, that's all that negotiation as well. I think as well, um, you find, let's say we really want beautiful cocktail served. Let's go and go out to an alcohol sponsor or, um, Vittori coffee. So generously in the last, I think eight years, every year we've had espresso martinis sponsored by Victoria coffee. So it's also a matter of if you have this creative thing that you want to do, put it to one of our sponsors and they might really want to own that activation. And then you turn that around to being quite an engaging thing for the sponsor. Yeah. So you've um, had like, um, telco sponsors and there was like a, a best dressed, um, yeah. you could hold the Melbourne cup and it was best dressed at the lunch. Yeah, exactly. And that was really effective. It was really clever because it kind of, you know, it sort of, you know, capitalised on people's need to look good at the event, yeah. which is obviously important because we all yeah. like to come and show off our best frocks. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously the entertainment, I think um, everyone who's performed at your event, you know, some someone's been touched by cancer. So it is exactly. kind of one of those things where, you know, you can target, you know, yeah. for example, Stan, you know, he obviously had been through his um, battle and he was amazing, well. completely free of charge, came and spoke um, with all of his, you know, crew for all the way from New Zealand, came and spoke about his cancer battle, um, launched his song basically at our event, which was about thanking his mum for putting up with him during this cancer battle. Like it was amazing and that's the thing like we kind of have a bit of a pull-in or a tie-in there that so many people sadly have been affected by cancer so people do want to help they do. um yeah. and that's where you have to sort of negotiate that creative side but in saying that if we do really think something's important then we will we'll do it we just would hate to think that I have a friend at my table who, you know, just bought her ticket, could just pay for it, but then she hears a story and spends like maybe some savings on a cancer project that we might be talking about. And then I go and spend that money to put flowers up in the ceiling to hang mm-hmm. down and look gorgeous for three hours. I would hate to think, I would hate for her to think that's what we're doing with her money. So it really is, like I said, just about finding the balance. Yeah, definitely. So I've got a, just another question about the event and then we're going to move on to a little bit more of a, a career sort of side of things. Is digital and social a big part of the event and marketing mix? I mean, you know, obviously people are using it to create content and to keep their tribe interested and the community yeah. engaged. How do you guys use that? 
Well, I don't know about you, but that's where I get all of our, all of my information from. <laughs> like literally everything. I'm looking for a house now. I follow all the real estate agents, you know, um, like all the beauty products. I follow all that. Like I, that's where I get my info from. So it would be silly not to use it, I guess. And because we have such a really wide range of different people in our community, we've got cyclists to the volunteers to these beautiful, wealthy, gorgeous people that come to our gala events. It's great. It's great tool to use. I mean, that's where we promote our ticket sales. Um, the tables are open for selling, um, where we actually, um, you know, every sponsor almost asks for it now as well. So we always put it into a package that will give them, you know, um, social media posts. And we do gorgeous videos of so of um, partners and sponsors that have supported us in the past, and show, showcasing them as well because we want to give back to the to our partners. Um, and Mark Beretta's out there, and he's constantly oh, posting, sure. and he's great because he's got such a good following. He is great, and people You'll probably really... get a whole heap more followers now. You know that, don't you? <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> um, just from us chatting right now, but um, I think for him, like I haven't met anyone that doesn't love that guy, and I think he really, we're really lucky that he will support us by you know, just posting a photo of a silent auction item that we get. Um, people love that. And I think that really, um, helps us get a lot of prizes through the door as well. But I think on the day, I think it's really important. People want to know people, maybe they couldn't afford the tickets or missed out on the tickets, um, want to know what's happening. And we like to live stream some of our, um, you know, key speakers and inspirational speakers. If we have them, we like to sort of post from the night and showcase that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a big part of it and you really have to get on board, you know, if you want to sort of compete with, with the other events that are happening at the moment. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, look, thank you for showing about the event. And I sort of want to move on more into a little bit more of the career side of things, because this, the other type of listener that listens to this is people that want to evolve in their career, working sure. in events and live experiences. And there's a lot of people who want to get into the charity space. So what would you say if you had to choose one, because we can talk forever, um, <laughs> is your best skill or personal attribute and how has that assisted you in your career and current role? This is like a job interview. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I have to say I'm pretty passionate about about this particularly. And I think that's one thing I always would tell people is to always find something that you're passionate about. And then you can do anything about that. If you're passionate about it, you can do whatever you want. You can pack gift bags until one in the morning. You can, um, you know, go and sell until your heart's content, the sponsorship packages because you have the passion. So I'd probably say that like, I'm pretty motivated. I'm pretty like, um, I guess, yeah, passionate about finding a cure to cancer because, you know, working with um, some some of the organizations that we have, like Children's Cancer Institute and seeing 20 children are getting diagnosed every week, like as a mother, like knowing that and trying to relate to that is awful and I couldn't imagine ever doing that. So if I can help by doing something that I love, then how lucky am I? So I think probably that passionate Sure. And, you know, moving on to something else, I guess, I mean, look, it takes a lot of energy to be in events. Um, Obviously you're, as we know, you're a mother and I know how that feels being a mother. It's great, but you know, it certainly drains you of a bit of your energy. Um, How do you keep yourself inspired? How do you keep yourself motivated? Keep your energy high? Yeah, I think a few things, coffee, lots of coffee, <laughs> lots of wine um, okay. at night we'll when you're staying We'll put that in the show that notes, yep. 
But I think um, keeping yourself active, I think it's an important one because when you do get busy, you often like you don't prioritize the gym or you don't prioritize that walking the dog in the morning. I think getting out there, getting some fresh air, you know, working out a bit of stress um, can really keep and help your energy levels. I personally think I, I know I get down when I am, um, when I'm not, for example, but definitely that. But I also think it comes back to how lucky we are that we have this committee that when I am feeling down or, you know, oh, I don't think we can do them. This isn't going to, I need this, I need this. I think having a committee that can like a really inspiring committee to like help you, you know, help push you up. It really is great. Yeah, it's very unique. I know I'm in a unique position there, but it's, it's nice to have people sur- like surrounding me and surrounding, um, Intuitive QR, surrounding the organization that kind of lift your spirits as well. Yeah. I guess sometimes if you're lacking in energy, they can not only jump in and give you the energy, but they're almost like mini mentors. Some of them, because they have the most incredible lives, you know, and they run the most impressive businesses. So that side of things are almost like being a, you know, you know, substitute mentor for you. No, you're actually so true. Like the people in our committee, some of them are CEOs of huge businesses. Um, some of them even public businesses. So it's amazing to be able to like have a cry to them or something. Um, because, they have a different perspective and that's sometimes all you need to kind of re-motivate you. <laughs> yeah, and they're quite resilient because they've been through a lot of challenges. I For mean, who sure. doesn't own a business, whether it's small, medium or large, and have to have, you know, developed resilience, you know. Exactly. So that's great. Um, yeah. So what are your passions and interests when you're not at work? What do you do in your spare time? Oh, I'm pretty boring. <laughs> um, but like I said, um, obviously just spending time with my kids, um, working and as any working mom understands, you get a little bit of guilt when you kind of only see them for breakfast and for dinner. Um, so it loves spending time with my kids. We go for lots of walks and bike rides around our area. We love going. Also now you know how to ride a bike. Well, the kids ride the bike. <laughs> I stand behind them. <laughs> I actually run after one of them for sure. Yeah. Um, we're trying to teach one of my kids how to scooter at the moment and he doesn't really quite get it. So I'm like also the catcher at the moment Um, (laughs) and he doesn't hit his head. But yeah, like going out for food and wine and I'm a big foodie, love cooking, but I also love going out. Um, So I guess that's... What's your favourite food? Probably Italian. Mm. My husband's Italian actually or half Italian. I think that's why I married him because he makes a really good pasta sauce. Oh, well, that's a good reason. The way to <laughs> so, your heart is through your stomach. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And that's why the food at our events are always top notch. <laughs> they are, they are. So, and I've had a couple lunches with you before and we really enjoy ourselves. <laughs> we do. Um, so you've also travelled a lot and, you know, yeah. this is so that people get to know you, I guess. Um, sure. If you only could travel to one place, whether it's somewhere you've been at before or you would like to go to um mm. I guess I'm asking this question at the moment because we're all kind of you know, know. <laughs> unable to travel and you know all I do is look at travel bloggers you know posting yeah. their amazing photos from before um yeah. where would you go and why 
God, if I had to be anywhere else right now, it would probably be south of France. My brother and his kids and his wife are, um, are there right now and they've been sending us photos. I wake up to photos of my niece and nephew eating like croissants by the beach, the parents having rosé by the pool. Like I am like, take me there now. But yeah, I'm dying to go there. They live in London, so that's why they're there. If anyone has any questions, they didn't just escape the border. Yeah, but um. That's where I would 100% be right now. Excellent. So what excites you most about the future of events? Look, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty pessimistic about this COVID. I don't know when it's going to go away. I don't know when we're going to be able to have these large scale events again. So I guess what excites me most is when we can finally have them again. I think, you know, increased testing or something has to happen before I'm sure the government will allow 900, 1,000 people back into a room um, together. Um, Or a vaccine, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that excites me. But also I think, I mean, I'm not super creative, but I'm excited to see what other creative people are going to do with their events that they can't have. So I'm excited to sort of watch the space um, and see what is happening. I know there's a few even people in the charity world doing some fun stuff instead of having their gala events. So it's all about thinking outside the box. If this is going to be our new normal for a while, what is it going to be like? Yeah, exactly. So this is probably my last question, I guess. And um, it's all about like what one piece of advice would you give someone wanting to break into events or into charity events and marketing? Mm. Um, Like, I guess, what would you, you know, having had your vast amount of experience, obviously, and (laughs) thrown yourself into the bubble, what would you tell your younger self or someone who's a bit more, um, less experienced that wants to actually move into this field? Yeah, sure. I have so many pieces of advice, (laughs) but I think, um, back at my old job, um, I worked at Victoria Coffee in the events department. I used to really sweat the small stuff. And I used to panic a lot about little things. Um, because in events it is really like, you know, fast moving, you have to just adapt. Um, and I think probably the biggest thing I'd have to worry about is just like take a deep breath and sort of like, I guess, helicopter up a bit, throw everything that you're thinking down on his paper and like work through it because it's never as bad as you seem. And there's always going to be a solution. It may not always be the best solution. You may have to pay more money or you may have to do something, but there's always going to be a solution. I don't think it's worth pulling your hair out as much as I probably did in my, um, my previous years. I think yeah, you learn that with experience, don't you? I mean, it's yeah. definitely every time I kind of skipped over the question around sharing a challenge because you sort of talked about that anyway, but yeah. you know, every time there's a challenge, it is actually a learning. That's for sure. And, for sure. And so take those challenges as learning, right? Yeah, exactly. You're actually right. Cause you can learn from, you can learn from everything. Um, but yeah, just, take a breath. I think that's the biggest thing for me. As I sometimes, your head just goes a million miles. Like, oh my God, like it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Take a breath and try and work it out. Great. Well, look, my last question, and this is just a contact question. Now we, we will mm. be providing show notes as well. So that cool. we will list everything that Tour de Cure is about and people can get involved and donate or come to an event if they're lucky enough to get a ticket and you never know we might be doubling the amount of people at events in the future once we're allowed to again (laughs) but you know how can listeners follow you or get in touch 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm pretty boring, but if you want to see photos of what I'm cooking and um, the behind the scenes of the Tour de Cure events, I guess, um, it's Cass Proth, P-R-O-T-H, on Instagram. It's probably the only place you can find me. You and you can LinkedIn? DM. Um, I am on LinkedIn, actually, Cassandra Prothero. Great. Well, that's great. And as I said, look, we, we will have um, on the website, we'll have all kinds of show notes and what, what yeah, not cool. to let people um hear more about it and, you know, see how inspiring the organisation is. And um, it's been really great because I think, you know, people see charities from the outside and they don't really realise what goes into getting to that finish line and goalpost. And, you know, I think, you know, we produce events for brands that are, you know, have billions of dollars um, as an event producer and to do something which is actually giving back so much is amazing. So, you know, snaps for you guys and hugs and, and lots of love because you do such a great job and, you know, I'm constantly inspired by you. So thank you for sharing all that today. It was just amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And watch this space, hey, for some interesting bike rides and and <laughs> whatever. Yes, and amazing gala events. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, we All can't right. wait to get into some fabulous dresses and go to some gala events, right? Yes, I cannot wait. All right. Well, I will definitely speak to you soon, Cass. All right. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Events Unpacked podcast. Head over to francescapescops.com and access all the tools and resources discussed in today's show. That's francescapescops.com. Until the next time, hit subscribe and have a nice day.